Welcome back to Execute. In today's episode, I'm answering three questions on how and whether you have to hand over the professional photographs you've taken of a project to your clients and two quite interrelated questions around how to manage your pipeline and not breach your capacity to the extent that you just cannot do the work or don't want to do the work and are able to trust your intuition in saying no or some strategies I'm going to give you for how to keep some ease and flow in your pipeline and get really confident with saying not yet to clients or you're going to have to wait. So I'm really excited to jump into that. And because it's the end of the year at the time I'm recording this, I'm going to put some short but powerful questions to you to reflect on as we close out 23 and head into 2024. Just before we jump in, a reminder, in the last episode, I gave you access to book a one-to-one -one session with me at 70% off the usual rate. I have so enjoyed spending time with those of you who has booked. You can continue to book that until the end of January. I will put the link in the show notes and I'll be really thrilled to provide that bespoke, really hands-on, dedicated support that way if that's something you're feeling called to. Okay, so the first question that I'm going to take is around professional photographs. And the question is, what are your thoughts on giving clients the images that you've taken of their house after a shoot if they ask for them? Is it fine? Is this a nice touch? Or should we just keep them for our marketing? I know that each photographer has their own set of terms and conditions. So this is a really good question. It's a really practical question and it's a really important one that you get straight on the way that you handle this because as with everything in your business providing real clarity between you and your clients and what's okay what's acceptable what you're giving them what you're not giving them is super important so I would start from the place of asking myself what do I want to do? What's the ideal solution for me? And how can I then craft the T's and C's and the relationship with the photographer to fit that? So in my studio, I would always give the images to the client. I would always say, we will shoot your house and you will receive copies of the images. But just to be clear, these are for your own personal use. You can show them to friends and family, um, but they're not to be published they're not to be given to a magazine and there would be the wording around that that would be part of the photographer's licensing agreement for the images but that would all have been set up in advance with the photographer what they're okay with can I give this to my client because I want to it is a huge um, imposition on a client having a photo shoot done there's no doubt there's also a real benefit to them though they get their house beautifully styled you might leave some lovely flowers there for them, leave all the styling in place. But I think it's a really nice touch to let them have the images and, and just feel really proud. It's a very nice finishing touch to a project. So that is how I did it. If you really feel that you don't want your client to have the images, then that is totally fine. But you just really clearly communicate that. I would always see it as a as a benefit to the client, which then becomes a benefit to you of actually getting the photo shoot, book, photo shoot booked and in place. And it's just around providing that clarity around how and where they can use the images. And 
probably keeping them for their own personal use is absolutely fine, but you just want to check that with your photographer. This really, I think, starts with you being empowered about what you want and what works for your business and then clearing that with the photographer and just crafting a set of wording that that will work that you can then put into your terms and conditions with clients or potentially just a separate photo shoot agreement which it is worth having so when you agree to doing the photo shoot just having a document that sets out this is what's going to happen this is how the day will run we will leave styling in place if you'd like us to, you know, will you you know, let us know about key arrangements, the same kind of onboarding process that you would run a client through when you start their project. It's really helpful to have an onboarding for the photo shoot, just so the client is completely clear. And I would include in this, we would like the space to ourselves for that day, because it is so unhelpful to have a client hovering around in the background while you're doing the photo shoot. They may not agree to this. They don't have to, but I would put that in that communication. This is how the shoot will go smoothly. This is what you can expect. This is how we'll leave the property. And then also you will receive or not the images. And this is how you're allowed to use them and make it really clear that this is part of the license agreement you've got with the photographer. And so that that's why you've put this, this stipulation in place. To just finish on this, this is really, it's about boundaries and it's about clarity. And you get to set the boundaries, run them past the photographer, and then it's about communicating them really clearly to the client. I hope that's helpful. Great short question, quick, decisive answer. Um, let me know if you'd like any follow-up on that. But yeah, I think this is really just about you being super empowered around what you're you're doing with this. Okay. Next question I'm going to answer is around managing your pipeline and your capacity. So the question is, hi, Katie, huge thanks for the, for the last podcast and the coaching framework that you gave us within it. It makes a lot of sense. It's helped me to make a plan. Great. I'm so happy. If you didn't have a chance to listen to episode 11, do not miss going back and hearing that I share a very powerful self-coaching tool that you can use yourself to get unstuck with any challenge, any decision, any situation you're in and you're not quite sure the way to move and the direction to go in. You can use this self-coaching framework. I walk you through it in episode 11. Cool. Okay, so back to the question. My question this month is about the cadence of projects and how best to manage this, how to strike a balance between feast and famine and yet not feel overwhelmed or scared by potential work that arises when you're already at capacity and you're not entirely sure about timings. How can you stay in your power in terms of your energy and your creative space whilst managing client expectations and bringing some certainty to the timings? This is a fantastic question, and I'm sure that something that all of you are currently or have or will in future be grappling with. So there's a few things that that came forward for me in terms of providing an answer. But the very first thing I want to say is such a huge congratulations to you on getting your business to this point where you're at capacity, where you're delivering work and you've got new clients approaching you 
And yes, it currently feels a bit overwhelming, but that says a huge amount about your creativity, about the way that you are looking after clients, about the relationships that you've built, about your marketing. I really want you to take a moment and recognize the success that you have created within this in being in this position. It is an exciting place to be and it hasn't come without a huge amount of work on your part. I know that. So I really congratulate you and I want you to take this moment to recognize that as well. In answering your question, the first thing I want to mention is getting this balance between feast to famine. So we really want to take this opportunity to check in with the goals that you have for your business and the business model and your pricing. If we're pricing things well, and if we are continuing to market as a daily priority, as an ongoing activity, and not just once a project comes right to the very end, we shouldn't be in feast to famine in terms of cash flow. We should, the work that we're doing should always be paying us sufficiently that we can be, be running with the project, we can be continuing to market, and we can be lining up new work for when one thing ends, but with enough of a buffer that if there is a bit of a gap, it's not famine. We have thought about this, we've got reserves in place, we have priced from a place of not keeping everything so incredibly tight that there's no way we could even go three days without one project finishing and the next one starting, that it's cool, that we can feel relaxed about this. So that's the first thing to look at is the balance of projects that you're taking on. Have you built out that model where Yes, the bulk of your income may be coming from large, full, end-to-end, full-service projects, but you've got the opportunity to provide lighter-touch support. You've got other services and other ways that you're making money, so you're never in that position of feast to famine. You're never in that, oh, there's not enough cash flow place because you know what you can turn your hand to and you know how you can help people if you have a gap or space to fill in between the bigger things. That is the first thing. Or, of course, as well, a reminder that we should, marketing should be part of what we're doing all the time. If we are only starting to think about marketing when a project comes to an end, we are going to experience that famine. There is no doubt about it. If we have gone so deep into the delivery that we haven't even considered our next project and it's only when we're emerging that we think oh better put something on instagram you are going to experience gaps it takes a while to line up a big project so we want to be thinking our marketing should be part of what we are doing week in week out and as well as it giving us the opportunity to keep that consistency in our pipeline, the more you do it, the more you find your creativity and energy and flow in your marketing, as well as in your client delivery. It's like anything, you practice it, you practice it, you you'd make it part of your daily rhythms and routines, and you get really good at it. You get into your flow with it. So I really want you to just be, be checking in with that aspect as well. What it sounds to me like is that if there's that feeling of being overwhelmed at the thought that new work could come where you're already at capacity, 
this is the perfect time to introduce a wait list. Because what that does is gives you breathing space to deliver for existing clients. It tells prospective new clients that you are highly in demand and that they're going to have to, to wait. And some may not be able to, but I would certainly hope that the right client is not coming to you saying, I needed you to start last week. Can you start immediately? That's never a great project to take on. So a client who approaches you in good time, or if it comes via an architect or a contractor or anybody else, if you're saying, I can get started three months or six months from now, that should be okay. And you, you want clients who are prepared to wait for you. Yes, putting timings on that wait list requires a certain leap of faith because as you say, the timings are not always clear. And in estimating those timings, you're going to be reliant on other people in a way that you may not be able to judge. Contractor has to do work. Deliveries have to arrive on time. Client may have certain things they have to do. So there are plenty of moving parts that may not all move in the way that you estimate they will but it doesn't matter for now this is about a best guess and it's about trust trusting your intuition so if you're at the point where you really feel at capacity and a new project comes and it feels like a great opportunity just giving yourself the space to to breathe and think what is my best guess on timings right now doesn't have to be perfect doesn't have to be absolutely to the day accurate it's just a best guess and you then communicate that to the client and by saying I will have availability come spring come summer whatever it is a this is really standard they will probably have that from any half decent contractor will have a wait list as well will have times at which they can start but also it allows you to be much more selective because you're now in the position where you're saying to clients, I'm operating a wait list. It is first come, first served. Or if it's the right fit, you can start inviting deposits. So if this feels like the right kind of project, if you've done all of the pre-qualifying and you've gone through the fee proposal and they've said yes, but it's not going to start immediately, I would definitely be taking a deposit to get started in whenever you your best estimate thinks that is. The other thing I would just say on this, and it's a question back to you, and there is no right or wrong answer, is you may be at the point where it's time to consider how you can be supported in the delivery. So I really want to be asking yourself, is the way that I'm delivering the work, is the way that the business is set up to deliver the services for our client something that feels overwhelming? Is there an opportunity for me to be more supported in the delivery that would ease this feeling of overwhelm? And it may be that your answer is, I only want to do everything myself. And that is fine. But in that position, there are trade-offs because you're, you're naturally going to be doing a lot. And if you get sick or if another project comes and another one hasn't quite finished, you are the one who's going to be doing all of that. So I just invite you to look at the, the opportunities for where you could ease some of your capacity in a way that would feel really good for you. And 
everybody's capacity is going to be unique. So this is this leads us into the next question, which is really staying in your power in terms of energy and creative space. This has so much to do with trusting your intuition. We are so different energetically. What works for, for one will not work for another. The number of clients you can hold at any time comfortably will feel different. The makeup of projects, the type, the, the distance that you're willing to travel to a project because you're someone who wants to keep it local or you love the idea of traveling much further, this is going to be different for all of us. And so this is where we really have to give ourselves the space to trust our intuition. And when we can do this, we not only make really good business decisions, but it also allows us to make our best energetic and creative decisions on our projects. So I hope that's helpful. I'm going to feed in now to the next kind of related question and hope give you some more thoughts from that answer as well. So I've recently received an inquiry from a client in London. However, ideally, I want to be working locally, so not in London. And whilst I liked the client and the house a lot, the architects working on the job and the time framework in which the project needed to be completed gave me pause for thought. I felt a lot of resistance towards this job, even when they accepted a high design proposal, which would have helped me reach my yearly revenue target. I told the client I could begin a few months from now, but that I could produce a few drawings that they needed right now. In the end, the client has backed out of the project, saying that they had decided to put it all on hold for the time, and I felt hugely relieved, but I was curious about my process with this client. I liked them personally. I liked the house. The fee would have been very rewarding, but it would not have been an easy project, given the location, the architects, their expectations. So the question is, how do you know when to push through with a project that pays well but might be a challenge? And when do you step back and hope that something else will come in its place that is better suited? Such a good question. So my first response is that I don't think you should push through with anything. I really don't. I Pushing through just feels uncomfortable. I'm not surprised you're feeling resistant because you're pushing through with something that you don't actually want to do. This is what I would call a a test, an opportunity test. And in running a business, it what you say no to is so much more important than what you say yes to. There will be so many opportunities and avenues that you could go down. And it can sometimes feel like we're in this energy of having to find the opportunity and hunting for that next opportunity, that we forget that there are opportunities all around us all of the time and it's actually about what we say say no to that is most important and where we're on the the cusp of an opportunity that could be a yes or could be a no that's where these tests come up so let me give you an example if you know that you absolutely do not want to do a single room project where the budget is 500 pounds and the client wants everything to be bought from B&Q. <laughs> you might, that might just be a no. 
And so those kind of opportunities, they're not really opportunities. They either don't come your way because they're just so far away from where you're at or how you're marketing, or it's such an easy no, it just doesn't matter. So that's not an opportunity test. But let's say that you do, well, let's come back to your question. You do whole houses, you work with lovely clients, you come in as the interior designer and you work with architects um, and you, you, know, you know the areas in which you work, a project could come up, has come up for you, which aligns with all of that, but there's a few things that are not aligned. The location is not aligned, doesn't sound like the architects are particularly aligned, the time frame's not aligned. So it's much closer to what would be a yes for you ordinarily, but there are no's within there. So this is an opportunity test. And again, the reason that I'm connecting this to the previous question is because we need to really create the space and the trust in our intuition to guide us on these decisions. We may not be able to see the next opportunity coming yet, and that can really cloud our judgment in these tests because we can get into scarcity thinking, I must say yes to this because the economy feels really wobbly and I don't know where the next project's coming from that's when we end up with really unaligned action. That's where we end up with clients or projects that feel really out of alignment for what we want to be doing. Even if we cannot immediately see it, we have to trust that there will be something more aligned. And our job is not to just sit back and trust and manifest and the universe is going to put this magical opportunity in front of us, no. We have to get out there and do the marketing and create the connections and turn up the volume on what we do and who we are for so that the right opportunities are even more likely to find us. That's our job in, in creating the right opportunities and more of them. But we will still be presented with opportunities that are not right for us. And we have to, to build the self-trust and the intuition to say no to these. So some some thoughts to guide you around this and looking at your question you know this anyway because what you've described that sense of relief that the project hasn't gone ahead even despite a fantastic fee that is your intuition telling you that this opportunity wasn't for you so it's going to be it's going to be the right thing if the answer feels very clear and very, if the, the idea and that sense of knowing comes to you and it feels clear, then that is the right way forward. If you feel rushed or urgent or you're feeling overwhelmed and you're acting impulsively, then it's probably not the right opportunity. It may not logically make sense. So like you've said, I could have hit my, my financial goal for the year. This would have made a huge impact towards achieving that goal. But your intuition is saying to you, this isn't right. So logically, we can rationalize and say, this decision doesn't make sense. We should push on through. But that's not the case. It, if your intuition is saying, nope, this is not for you, trust that. Because if going down the path of an opportunity that means you're settling for something that isn't ideal, 
which by the sounds of it, location really isn't and, and other reasons as well, then it's not the right thing for you. Really the highest test of whether this is right for you or not is would taking the action around this opportunity, would doing what your intuition is whispering to you to do, would it allow you to be operating from a place of the highest self-worth? So if we are operating from low self-worth, we are settling for something, somebody we don't want to work with, a fee that isn't good enough, a location that is hugely inconvenient, but we're worried nothing will come up where we actually want to be working. All of the things that is operating from low self-worth is worrying that there, there just won't be something else that is for us. High self-worth is a huge belief that your creativity, your skill, your talent is so great that the right opportunities will find you. You just have to let people know about them and trust and believe that they are the right clients out there, the right fees out there, the right projects. That is operating from high self-worth where you're absolutely prepared to say no to something if it doesn't align. So the first two things I'm going to say to you, one is practice getting comfortable with saying no to anything that isn't intuitively right for you. And there will be so many things and some will be much easier no's and some will be these tests, as I say. But I really want you to practice getting comfortable with saying no. You will have heard me say this before. Every unaligned no makes room for a way much more aligned yes. That is so true. And the second thing is really leaning into what your intuition feels like when it's a yes for you. So is it a calm, knowing, feeling of safety, feeling of expansiveness, feeling of relief? That is something to really notice and recognize when your body is giving you the signal to go for something or to say no to something. You will know the right way because you are learning to read what your body is telling you. I really want you to lean into that and understand and recognize what that feels like for you. And then going forward, it's so important that you keep and create the space to be able to, to make those intuitive decisions. I'll tell you something from personal experience because as you guys know, I've been doing building work in my home for the last feels like forever. Um, and there have been a lot of decisions required. There have been contractors in and out of my space all the time. There's been a huge amount of work and admin and coordination required on top of everything I ordinarily do, running a company, looking after my kids, looking after our home day to day, building work aside. There's been a huge amount more. And what I've really noticed is that my intuition has felt less highly tuned. Decisions that in the past I would have been able to really swiftly move through have felt harder to come to. And I've really had to find new and clever ways to create that space for myself so that that intuitive knowing will come. 
Otherwise, what I'm recognizing is that I'm making decisions from a mind space, from a logic and the analytical, well, on paper, this looks good. On paper, this is the right thing. And that doesn't lead to really aligned decision making. That can lead to really misaligned decision making. But I've had to get really inventive about how I can create and keep and hold space around myself so that I can still lean into my intuition. The busier we are, the more crowded we feel, the more overwhelmed, tired, stressed, all of the things, the harder it is to recognize what our intuition is telling us. So I really want you just to think about what this means for you and how you can create that space in yourself. Okay. Let me give you some questions that I would love you to reflect on as we move forward into the new year. But before we do that, I just want to read something out which has given me so much joy, but that's not the reason I'm going to read it out. I shall read it out and then I'll tell you why I'm explaining this. So one of you guys has written me this lovely message. Thank you for all the guidance and wisdom that you impart to us. It's so valuable. It makes a real difference. I have so enjoyed 2023 professionally, thanks to you. In the first half of the year, Aligned for Growth gave me an amazing roadmap to develop my business and the energy and the courage to move forward. Laterally, Execute has been a wonderful hand-holding tool that gives me confidence and keeps what you have taught us constantly alive and relevant. You are a wonder. Thank you. Okay, I'm sharing this, well, firstly to say thank you, because I really, really appreciate you sharing that. I love hearing feedback, whatever you have to share, I love hearing it. And I really appreciate your very kind words. The reason I'm saying this is because on the other end of the spectrum, I just had somebody leave Execute. And as anybody exits any of my programs, we always send out a questionnaire because I love to hear feedback and I want to know how I can make the experience better. And this, this person said, we said, you know, did you value it? No, I didn't value it. Well, did you ask any questions? No, I never asked a question. It, do you have anything else to say to us about this? And the feedback was, I never asked any questions because I didn't know what to ask. Therefore, I didn't get any value out of it. And on the other end of the spectrum, I have what I've just read out to you. Execute has been this wonderful tool that's giving me confidence and keeping what you've taught us alive and relevant. Two completely opposing pieces of feedback, both absolutely valid. But what I want you to take from this is if you are listening to this, and you are ever thinking, I just don't know what to ask. I just really want to remind you there are no stupid questions. There are no silly questions. There is nothing that is obvious or anyone is going to roll their eyes and think, oh, you know, this is a pointless question. Every single question that you guys ask is relevant and it's valid and I'm going to give you an answer to it. That is the point of you being here and it's the point of the support that I'm giving you. So really lean into the support that you're paying for and make the most of the access to the answers that I am so here to provide for you. I want you to get the most out of this experience and I really am so certain, so beyond certain that there are no bad questions at all. So 
I really look forward to receiving your questions in the new year. And I really look forward to continuing to, to support you and, and yeah, to keep reiterating everything that we've talked about inside the other coaching work that we've done together and give you that support and that feedback and that sounding board going forward. As a reminder, if you want some more bespoke support from me, you can book a one-to-one -one with me. There will be a link in the show notes that's available to you until the end of January. So you've got that support option there for you as well. Okay, just before we, we finish up this episode, I really want to give you a few things to reflect on if you're listening to this around about the end of the new year, start of the new year as I'm recording it. Wherever your business has landed financially for the year, this is such a powerful moment in the year to reflect on all the ways that you have grown and expanded that are not just financial, okay? There are so many ways in which we are growing, expanding, challenging ourselves, doing brave new things, and all of that is so worth celebrating. If you've set yourself a financial goal and you've achieved it, that's incredible. Biggest high five from me to you. I know you're here because you want to make money, I absolutely want my business to make money. That is why we set financial goals. But if I look back at some of the things over the last year that I'm the most proud of, the finance is only one part of the puzzle. There are so many other areas and I really want you to reflect on them as well. So just three questions for you that you can take as journal prompts or just think about if you're listening to this, if you're driving or walking, just pass through your mind. The first question is, what are you most proud of over this past year? If we looked back at the time from 1st of January right through to the end of the year, what are you most proud of? Could be one thing, it could be 10 things, but I really want you to run your mind through the year month by month and just think of the different things you've encountered, the different people, the projects, the, the ways that you've shown up and really just take inventory of what you're most proud of. Second question for you is, what have been your most empowered no's? Where have you acted or said no to something that may have felt really scary in the moment because you didn't see where the next thing would be coming from or the next bit of money or whatever it was? Or you had got a client who felt challenging or difficult or any number of scenarios, I really want you to take note of what have been your most empowered no's and how you now feel about them, looking back on them, how it now feels. And the third question is, what is calling you forward? When I say that to you, what is calling you forward? What is feels exciting in your gut where you think, oh, this is what I want to step towards in 2024. I want you to make a note of that because it's so easy for 1st of January to roll around and we just start doing, 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 same old, same old. There is something there for you that if you give yourself the space to listen to, it is there for you to step towards. And it might require a process of well, how would I even do this? And 
again, use the self-coaching framework I shared in the last episode. That is a great way for mapping out the next steps to move towards this thing. But the first thing, no matter how illogical it might feel, no matter how audacious, no matter how unrelated to where you are right now, it may not logically make sense. It may feel random, but something is calling you forward. And I really want you to recognize what that is. And the check to make around it is, is this in the highest self-worth? Would this light me up? Does this feel like it is really making the most of my wisdom, my talents, my magic, my creativity? If it is, then that's something to step towards. Okay, I hope this episode has served you. I have so enjoyed providing the support through this episode, through all of the episodes. I genuinely love hearing your feedback. So anything that you'd like to share with me, just hit reply to this email. I would love to hear. I absolutely love getting and answering your questions. So keep them coming. And in the meantime, if you're listening to this before Christmas, I wish you the very, very happiest Christmas and time over the festive season. Genuinely, if you're listening in January, then welcome to 2024. I am so excited to continue supporting you this year. If there's anything that you feel that you need from me that would be incredible to have as a way of being supported that I'm not currently offering, let me know. My services are absolutely as good as the people who get use and benefit from them. So anything that comes to mind and you think, Katie, I wish you did this. I wish you offered that. Let me know. OK, there's there are no bad ideas here. And I am incredibly grateful to you for being here and very much here to support you on your business journey. So thank you for listening. I wish you a very, very happy, festive, wonderful time, and I look forward to supporting you in 24. Take care.